0: From Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41. And this can be found on page 1093 of the Church Bibles. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Lewis, for that reading. When I was five, my family went blackberrying in late August one year. So there was my mum and my dad, my big brother and me. And after we'd eaten quite a lot of the blackberries as boys would, we got a bit bored with picking blackberries. So we asked if we could go down to the Basingstoke Canal where we were. And the bushes were along the side of the canal, and we went down to the canal, we were told to be careful, my big brother was meant to be looking after me, and we stood on the bank and we threw stones in, and then he went a bit further, went and dipped his, his boot in, and we both had wellies on, and his wellies started to fill up with water, and then he slipped, and he disappeared under the surface of the canal. and i was 5 and i had to run up the path to go and tell my parents what had happened and i can still it's it's making me shake just feel it, just thinking about it i had to run up that path tell my parents that he'd fallen in the water he'd gone under the surface and exactly where he'd gone in and my dad ran down the path ahead of us jumped into the canal pulled my brother out he'd stopped breathing and his lungs were full of water but my mum did mouth to mouth resuscitation he spent a week in hospital Uh, and then he came home. Very soon after, we had swimming lessons, and (laughs) quite a lot of swimming lessons. Um, But uh, I had a message to deliver that day, and I had dreams, vivid dreams, about running up that path for years after. If I'd chosen the wrong path to take, uh, if I hadn't delivered the message it would have been a very different outcome at the end of that day. Today we're looking at this message that Peter delivers on Pentecost. And it is a very powerful message that he delivers. It's a message about life and death. It's a message that will bring a promise that's been waiting to be fulfilled. It's a message that brings an appeal That demands an immediate response. It's a message that will be life changing, literally life changing, for thousands of people on that day. It starts a faith movement that would expand over 300 years from just 120 on that Pentecost to the accepted religion of a whole empire after 300 years. And now, in our Year of the Lord, 2021, a third of the population of this planet believe in Jesus. This message has power. This message is a simple message. It's a message that makes sense of God's rescue plan. That he was ready to rescue his people. He was coming to put things right. There would be a new way of life because the Messiah was on his way. And for the people who were trapped in poverty and oppression, a new light would shine. Because the people in those days, they were living in difficult times. They were meant to be the children of God, the people of God. They were meant to be living in his promised land, but they were under the rule of a brutal and violent empire. They had next to no control over their lives. Everything they did was controlled by the Roman Empire. They were looking for change. They were hoping for someone to come and bring them some change. They were looking for a king who would rule with justice and righteousness. They were looking for a new priest to change the rules and the religion of the Pharisees into a living connection with their God. In Jesus, both the king and the priest come in one person. This person that they've been looking for, the Messiah, is here He has appeared. Peter preaches this powerful message. And it's a bit of a high standard to set for anybody else trying to stand up here and speak to people. On that day, this recharged, restored Peter brings 3,000 people to believe in Jesus. How did he connect? Well, first of all, there was already the sense that God had turned up. The people had poured out of that upper room as Pentecost had started, as the Holy Spirit had come upon 120 followers of Jesus. They would poured out into the streets and the crowds had gathered because they'd heard them speaking in all their tongues. Saying, and they'd said, these are just Galileans. How come we hear them speaking in our own language? God had turned up and the people saw something was happening. That's why our worship together is so important. Because when we worship and when we bring ourselves into God's presence, he is here amongst us. His Holy Spirit is poured out and we're opened up to hear the message of his love to us. So Peter has their attention and now he, he speaks to them and he explains what's happening. And first of all, he says, this is about the prophecy. The prophecy is being made real amongst you. Because in the last days, God said through the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon my people. This is what they see happening before them. It explains all that's happened on that first Pentecost morning. Joel was a prophet who lived in a time when Israel were also going through oppression and anxiety. And yet, Joel says, God will come. And and he will pour out his spirit upon all people. The prophecy points to the promise. And now the promise has been fulfilled. So Peter explains what's happened. He wants them all to know that this promise has been fulfilled through Jesus. Starting at verse 22, he speaks about Jesus' life and death and resurrection. He doesn't pull any punches. He tells them, You, with the help of wicked men, you put this Jesus to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, setting him free from death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. He links this to the promise that King David has seen so many centuries before. David knew that he would not be abandoned to the grave and he speaks that out in psalm 16 it's a wonderful psalm it's one of my favorites and it says you will not let your holy one see decay you will not let me be abandoned to the grave and at pentecost this promise is fulfilled because jesus has been raised from the dead and he is the first fruits of a new harvest for humanity the festival of pentecost it was about being 50 days after the law was given to Moses on the mountain, it was a celebration uh, of that law being given, but it was also a celebration of the first fruits of the harvest being brought to the temple. And here is Jesus, the first fruits of humanity, raised from the dead, given new life, living in a new way. The prophecy and the promise, and now the provision. God has provided through this prophecy and this promise for all Israel. And Peter explains that it happens through Jesus. Do you see how Jesus is at the centre of all of this? Jesus is at the centre of everything that we are all about. Jesus is the answer to all of our questions as a church. If we want to see our church revive again, it's got to be centred on Jesus and Jesus being proclaimed to all people. Peter says, therefore let all Israel be assured. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This was his message, and this has to be our message. Whoever we speak to, that Jesus is both the Lord and the Christ, the Messiah. The Messiah who came with a message that changes lives. And in his name, God will provide for us his Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. The Messiah has come to defeat the biggest enemies that we have, the shame and the guilt that sin brings into our lives, the destruction and the despair that death wreaks upon us. Those enemies are defeated because Jesus has been raised from the dead. There is now a new Lord who has a new kingdom that's advancing. There is now a new priest who's made a sacrifice once for all so that we can be made right with God. And this is a message for all people. In verse 39, Peter says, This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call they thought that jesus was just some small-time small-town rabbi who'd gathered a band of disciples some students to follow him and they'd all disappear back up north except he'd been nailed to a cross surely that was the end of this jesus but no he is raised from the dead and this promise is for all people this salvation is open to all this rescue plan has happened now it comes in line with the prophecy it fulfills the promises that were made by God and it provides the forgiveness of sins and eternal life for us all this is a powerful message and this message is about starting a new chapter setting out in a new direction setting out in hope God has a plan and now. His next step has been revealed. The next step is to make a choice. Peter says to them, This rescue has come from God. Now repent and be baptized. And they were baptized. We went to Jerusalem a few years ago and we saw where this probably happened. There are great rectangular pools at the entrance to the temple. The temple is on a mount, and there are steps that go up to it. And in order to be clean enough to enter the temple, any pilgrims would have to go through ritual washing or cleansing in order to be made clean to walk into the temple precincts. And the place where the upper room is, uh, is thought to be in Jerusalem, is just up the hill. And if all of the followers of Jesus spilled out of that room and spoke to the crowd, it would be a short walk down to these pools. And there were, there were many of them. So they could have all been used to baptise these new believers. It still would have taken some time. If there were 3,000 people baptised that day and 12 apostles to do it, and each person took just a minute to go in and under and out again, it would have taken over four hours to baptise 3,000 people. Imagine it here in St. Jude's. It would mean this church... Completely full, not half full or a third full as we are today, but completely full ten times over. With people wanting to be baptized, that would be some day to be a church leader, wouldn't it? To have all those new members, what would we do? To, what would we do? How would we sort out the life groups for them? But it would be a great problem to have, wouldn't it? Three thousand people are added to their number. Because God has made Jesus both Lord and Messiah. So how does this relate to us today? Well, over these last 15 months, we've had to deal with death in a new way. Every night on the news, we get told how many people have died, don't we? We know about figures for deaths in a way that we never did before. We've had to hide away from each other and from this virus so that we aren't touched by death. We've had to change the way we've behaved. And it's only through the miracle of the vaccines that we're moving on and out of this time in which death has profoundly changed the way that we live. This time has shown us that we all will face death. There is no getting away from it. It doesn't matter where you live, how much money you have, However secure you feel, we're not really as in control as we thought we were because death can still come calling at our door. We're all in danger and we all need to be rescued. I think that's what this last time has told us. And if you knew that someone was drowning, you would run to get help, wouldn't you? You wouldn't stand and lurk and watch. You'd get help. In our community, there are many people who are oppressed and without hope. They're held down by debt or addiction. They reach out often to the wrong things for salvation. But there is a promise that holds firm. For you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, there is this promise of the forgiveness of sins, of life everlasting, of life in the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus produced a detonation of this faith explosion that ripped through the ancient world. Because a Lord who is in control, even of death, is a Lord to be followed and worshipped. A Lord who can give us lives to live that are filled with love and peace and joy. That's the sort of Lord that we should follow. And regaining confidence in this living Lord, who's seen us through these tough times, who's brought us out through the waters, this Lord. He's the one who can revive our church again. Peter's message must become our message. There are people drowning all around us, people who need to be saved. We might say to them, God has made this Jesus who you have ignored, dismissed or rejected, both Lord and Christ. Because people out there haven't heard about this promise. People out there don't know about the prophecies and people out there don't know the life that God provides, the hope that comes through Jesus. There is one Lord. There is a shepherd who looks after his flock, the anointed Messiah who will save us from sin and death. This is who Jesus is. He is the Lord and the Messiah. He's the one who can lead us out of darkness into light. And this must be our message a message that's all about Jesus. It's why we've made our purpose here, making Jesus the heart of South Sea. We could change lots of things about the way we do church. We could try lots of new plans or follow lots of new programs. But we have a purpose to make Jesus the heart of South Sea. Because in the end, it's all about him. He is the one who will transform lives. And we're the ones who've been transformed. He transformed my life. I hope you've got stories of how he's transformed your life. We need to share those stories to be his witnesses. And we need to go out with the message that Jesus is the Lord. The Lord who saves. This is the message that the world needs to hear now and always and forever. Until he comes again, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent Jesus into the world to live and to die, that you raised him to new life, that through him your promise has been fulfilled, your spirit has been poured out, and our sins have been forgiven as death Is defeated. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us sure that our sins have been forgiven and send us out with this message to tell the world that Jesus is Lord, that He saves because He is the Messiah. Lord, fill our hearts and our minds with that truth and send us out. Fill us up and send us out. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next song tells us upon who our hope is built. So please stand and sing along at home and hum along here and let's worship the God. He gives us this hope.